Hey, welcome everybody to Not So Famous Achievers. Weekly conversations with some of the world's most amazing but not so famous achievers on what they did and how they did it and what you can learn from their journey with your hosts, Will Christ and Robert White. Hey, guys. Well, welcome. Robert White here and my buddy, my partner, my friend, Will is not with us today, so I am running solo and welcoming our guest, Carlos Hildago. Carlos, welcome to Conversations with the Not-So-Famous Achievers. Robert, it is a pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me. Well, it's wonderful. Uh, off the air, we had a great conversation about the joys of living in a small town, upstate New York, and having dear friends and a friend that I have that's been raving about that lifestyle for many, many years. Uh, you're very blessed to live where you live. I am. I uh, grew up here to spend time here with a kid, started coming up here when I was five. Moved. My dad moved us up here when we were 16. When I was 16, uh, we moved back when we first got married, moved away, and then had the great fortune just because of our own life planning of moving back six months ago. And I am here to stay. I love it here. Wow, that's wonderful. You know, I, we would need a couch and a therapist for me to fully share about this. But <laughs> I, I grew up in a kind of rough uh, childhood situation. And one of the things I realized later was that growing up in Green Bay, Wisconsin, which at that time was still a pretty small town, it's still not a big, it's not a big city, but the community took care of me. I'm not conscious of that, of course, growing up. But there was a lot of support in the community from the neighbors, from the schools, from the sports teams. You know, all of these things kind of combined to introduce a little bit of sanity into my crazy life. So, uh, so I can kind of get a sense of why you're so happy to be back in a place where, where people actually communicate. And oh, yeah. You know each other, stuff like simple stuff like that. Yeah, we love the community here. We were in our local restaurant um, the other night, and it took us 15 minutes before we sat down at our table because we knew out of, out of everybody in there, we knew everybody. So you stop and you talk and you catch up, and and then we finally were able to sit down and enjoy our meal. And as people are leaving, you're waving to each other. So it's a great way to live. I love small town. Well, wonderful. Well, tell us a little bit about you and what you're up to in life. Yeah. So, you know, the last 25 plus years uh, have been primarily in marketing and sales as a consultant. I uh, spent six years, actually about eight years client side, uh, one in a nonprofit or two years in a nonprofit and then six with software companies. Learned a lot, had a great career. Uh, and then I left the client side to start my own consultancy in 2005, co-founded an agency, grew that agency, uh, along with the growth of that agency, so went my ego, and I uh, just couldn't get enough of it. And then, and then at the end of 2015, just hit a wall, hit rock bottom, and really had to pick up some pieces of my life to figure out what what do I stand for? What do I? How do I identify? What's my purpose in life? Um, it was hard work, but it was worth it. And so now my whole passion, even though I do a fair bit of consulting, is really to help professionals and executives say, Hey, let's design a life that you love to live every day. Let's get back to who you were created to be and align that with your purpose. And then let's bring power to your purpose by understanding what unique gifts and talents you have and identify the opportunities that stand before you that otherwise you may have been blind to or just scared to go for. And uh, I get the joy of doing that each and every day. 
and seeing some amazing outcomes and people who just love the life they're living. And there's no greater joy in that. Well, when Will and I discussed uh, having you on the show, we realized that, you know, we do a lot of what you just described in various different ways. Mm -hmm. Will works a lot more on the operations, on the execution. Uh, I work a lot more on in the area that you described around discovering purpose, vision, and values. But we wanted you on because you have, you just seemed uh, in another podcast that I watched, you have a unique take on all of that. I'm curious, what is it in 2015 that, I mean, you, you hit the wall and all of that kind of stuff. What was the key to the transformation for you or the change or whatever you want to describe, the enlightenment, the uh, happening? What was it or was there something specific that happened or that you did that that brought you to a new understanding? Yeah, it was uh, my wife and I separating. And, you know, I had stepped out on my marriage and just uh, kind of abandoned everything that I had would have told you I valued, but was living in a way that was absolute congruence with those values. And when you think you're riding high, you think you've kind of hit that mark and you've achieved so much and then you separate and your kids aren't really wanting to engage with you in any way, you kind of come to a crossroads. Either I'm going to continue to just abandon my values and live in a way that, you know, is is not the true me or get back and do the hard work. And, and the reality is for years I'd been miserable, wouldn't confess that to anybody. Right. But, um, you know, when you wake up in the middle of the night and you're staring at the ceiling, you know that there's more to life and that I could be doing better. And so for nine months, um, we were separated and it sucked. <laughs> mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, I had to start back to saying, okay, who, who did God create me to be? Who am I? And yeah. reject all the lies I, I had believed about myself and get back to the truest form of who I am so that I could accurately then define my big why or my purpose. Mm -hmm. And so that was the catalyst to make that happen. And, and the reality was I had to do it for myself, whether or not my wife and I were going to repair our marriage. I had to do it because I wanted to live a life that was fulfilling and I couldn't do it for anybody else. And that was, wow. it took me several months to come to grips with just that fact. Well, thank you for sharing so openly. I know that, uh, you know, that teaching vulnerability it seems to me is one of the most challenging things for people like you and I that do the work mm -hmm. we do. And you just, yeah. you just modeled it. So good for you. Oh, uh, you. <laughs> uh, in our trainings, our large group experiential events, one of the things we do is to uh, do this exercise. It's called secrets, where we get everybody in the room to share a secret and yeah. uh, to be very vulnerable with a partner. When I'm introducing that exercise, one of the things I noticed about myself is I have to model it first before <laughs> we, before we do it. I notice I talk and talk and talk to avoid doing oh, yeah. it by, to doing it myself. So. Right. <laughs> But that kind of a, uh, you know, having somebody that you love and especially your children, uh, you know, all of that distance is so painful and it's so valuable. It's a blessing. It sure doesn't look like one at the time, I'm sure, but it is, well, a, it, it is a blessing. Yeah. If you had told me back then it was a blessing, um, I, I probably would have called that into question, but I learned a lot. Yeah. And, um, you know, what I learned is that everything's redeemable. And that, you know, you can take those lessons. And one of the things we decided was we don't want to rebuild what we had, because obviously that didn't work. 
let's build something new. And we really committed to that. We committed to each other to do that. So we talk about being in our second marriage to the same, but two very different people. Um, I am I am beyond blessed and grateful for her and our partnership and our friendship and uh, for my kids as well and the relationship I have with them now. Oh, that's wonderful. That I mean, that's really wonderful. You know, the uh, uh, one of the things I've learned in this mentor role, you know, I, I spent most of my life running companies. Mm-hmm. So, so it's new to me to be this uh, resource. And I had made up what I think, what I thought my clients would be like. And, you know, we're just going to work on purpose, vision and values, and we're going to work on uh, how to have, have better meetings and you know, all of those things. That's what I thought. And in ev- almost every engagement, about, I'm, I'm going to say three months into, let's say a one-year contract, there's this kind of offhand conversation that happens, which is with, and I'm talking to senior executives, entrepreneurs, owners, <laughs> and they kind of stumble around to saying, you know, could we talk a little bit about my marriage or about my relationship with my uh, young adult children or, you know, something like that. It's it's close to 100% of, of people. I think that senior executives and owners and entrepreneurs are geniuses, and you and I are the same, of course. We're geniuses at burying this stuff and yeah. compartmentalizing it and putting up with it because we're so focused, because we're really up to something. You know, I mean, it's explainable, but it's uh, it robs people of joy and satisfaction, and I and I'm an example of that. Yeah, and I would I would say it's explainable on one side and delusional on the other. And- <laughs> It's it's one of the reasons why, you know, in the book that I wrote, I had my wife write a chapter because I wanted people to understand what is it like being on that other side of someone who has decided to put you in the backseat in pursuit of something. And I hear entrepreneurs and business owners and executives talk all the time about all the sacrifices we make. Well, the reality is the people that are impacted are the ones making the sacrifices. Yes, and yes. if we don't ask them if they're okay with that sacrifice, then what I had to come to terms with was I was just being selfish. And so that that's a hard realization. So again, a lot of learning, and that's kind of where I brought me today is I want to take all that learning and bring that to other people so they can avoid some of the, the pain that I had to go through to get to this point. And, and uh, my experience is that when we are successful in doing that, actually business results improve. My coach, and it's always confusing because I'm Robert White and he's Robert Wright, W-R-I-G-H-T. Uh, <laughs> I don't know how I created that, but he's, he's a marvelous guy. And one of the things that he points out to me is that that journey, that realization, and then that journey is, it just goes against any ego strength you've built up. The word humility is often... Uh, often comes to mind, getting to that place of genuine humility, not not the fake kind. It's like, it just sounds good, and and if you write a sentence about it. It's really a beautiful sentence. The experience is not so beautiful sometimes. Oh yeah, the experience the experience sucks. Let's be honest. <laughs> it was a great weight loss program for me. I can tell you that. But you know what I tell the folks that I work with, also that you know, kind of that same area, the executives is. Going through the journey, it can be some of the most difficult things you're going to do. But coming out on the other side, the joy, the fulfillment, the contentment 
that you feel being able to appreciate the little things in life. Um, it, it just, it makes it all worth it. And I look back six years ago and I don't even recognize mm. who I was or who I allowed myself to become because it wasn't the true me. And there is nothing that nothing within me that wants any part of that life. Uh, Robert Wright, my coach says that, uh, behind every, now I'm not sure that I agree with him, by the way, I'm not a hundred percent, but I get the direction he's going that behind every business problem is a personal issue. I go, Oh, no, maybe not always, but then I, and then I go, well, maybe that's true. Solutions don't come to people that are stuffed up, blocked up, right. with a lot, a lot of personal issues buried. Uh, I get that part of it. Absolutely. I know that was certainly true with, with me. I mean, I accomplished a lot. You know, I, I found myself literally one morning and, you know, these wake up calls come at weird times, but I woke up in the morning and realized I'm living in a 14,500 square foot home on 76 acres just outside of Aspen, Colorado. You know, there's, there's a jet waiting for me that I own. I've got the five vehicles. I've got the, membership on six nonprofit boards. You know, I can list all of these things. Sure. Yeah. I, I accomplished all of it. And uh, it ended up as part of the subtitle to my book, which is what was missing in my life was joy and satisfaction. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I had all, I had everything else. And I should have been, you know, if shoulds counted at all, uh, I should have been wildly satisfied and joyful. So that was the start of my journey in that in that regard. Uh, and I, I kind of, it's one of those jokes. It's not a joke. It's now what I sell, you know, it's now the, and what, and what you're up to, which is, yeah, we got to get those business results. They've got to be there. And, uh, uh, but that part of that also needs to be, they need to be producing the life you were born to live. And, and, uh, and that when you do that, actually, my experience is the business results improve. I've, I've seen the same thing. Uh, it, it is uh, my business has done. My career has taken off. My business has done better than it has ever in my career. Um, and again, it's because I talk about putting purpose over profit. And when I can define what that purpose is and then live that out through my business. And I think part of the problem is we try to separate work from life. You know, we hear work-life balance. I've talked about work-life boundaries. And the more I can really think about it, it's just life. We have one life. I can't separate work and life. When I do that, I make life more difficult, as you just talked about. And then where is that contentment? And so I've never found contentment or, or fulfillment in all the accumulation of wealth and material possessions. I find it in my meaningful relationships, starting with my wife and my children, and then my closest of friends. And that's how we're wired. That's part of our DNA. And no amount of cars or big houses or land or, and man, Aspen, Colorado, hoof, love that area. Uh, but still, right, you experienced it. It didn't bring you that fulfillment that you were yearning for and that we find probably in your work and in mine that I see a lot of professionals and they're just continuing to try to strive for more and they're wondering when it's going to happen. And the reality is it's never going to happen with more stuff. You know, one of those early 60s gurus to say it frankly, the, the white guys that attempted to put on a robe and be a guru, <laughs> uh, one of them said that you never get enough of what you really don't need. Yeah. And it's, it's one of those little 
kind of bumper sticker kind of slogan things. And then you go, well, wait a minute, maybe I should give that some thought. <laughs> <You know? laughs> there's, yeah. some, there's some real value there. <laughs> yeah. And I found, I found in my own life, you know, what my wife called living on the promises someday. Well, someday when this happens and when we can do this and when we achieve this amount of revenue and, and I was always kicking that can down the road. And then finally one day she's like, I, I'm done living on someday. Like, let's start living now. And she actually started to, she calls it the summer of Suzanne. She started to do stuff. And then I started to get resentful. Like it, it's absurd. Yeah. But the reality is, you know, none of us are guaranteed tomorrow. So why am I going to wait for some arbitrary date to retire? I want to start enjoying the life I love now. So what I've done is I've crafted my career, my profession, and my job, and the companies that I do, I am an owner in, to support the lifestyle that I want to live, not the other way around. For a long time, running my own companies, people would come to me and say, I'm thinking of getting a coach. I'm getting a, a coach, a mentor. Mm -hmm. What should I look for? There's all these people approaching me, you know, that kind of thing. Yep. Friends, friends calling me. And I didn't really have an answer, but I thought about it for a while. And one of the things I realized is that if I'm going to hire a coach, I want somebody that's been there and done that. Yeah. That if what I'm looking for is just profit, get a profit coach. You know, if that's right. for now, great. If what I want is joy and satisfaction, but the profit coach has to have done it, not just advise other people on it. Right. From from my point of view. And if I'm looking for a better, rounded, fuller experience of life as we know it, or even part of life that we don't know yet, I'm going to look for somebody that's been on a, a similar journey, uh, frankly. Uh, I have had enough failure in my life that I'm an absolute genius at coaching people around failure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, you've had this incredible wake-up call, particularly around your marriage and your children. But also, I, also, I can tell you've really thought about how to integrate all of that, including taking care of you. Uh, oh, 100%. You know, you know so uh, I, I think you might be a really good resource for somebody looking in that direction. I would like to think so. And, you know, I had somebody said to me the other day, they said, you really embody life design. Like you take, you work hard at designing your life. I'm like, yeah, you're not wrong. And part of that is just having continual conversation about what do we want? What do we want to do? It's what led us back here to the Adirondacks six months ago. We started having that discussion about four years ago of do we want to do this? What does that look like? Um, you know, we, we knew our youngest son was going to be graduating high school and going off to school. All right. Do we want to stay in Colorado? What does that look like? We always are having those conversations. So I agree with you. I don't want somebody who's read a textbook or had a certification and certifications are great, but I want somebody who's gone through it, who experiences it, who can relate to me as an individual and say, okay, here's what I'm going through. And I can go, yeah, I get it. I understand it. Wow. You know, that little piece about you, you shared about it, going to a restaurant and it takes 15 minutes to sit down. You know, a lot of people are, are familiar with Aspen as a, a playground of the rich and famous, you know, the, what are the, the millionaires are now being crowded out by the billionaires, right? Yeah. you know, and all of that stuff. But my memory of Aspen was a place where in the off season, I mean, it is pretty busy in this midsummer and midwinter. Right. Uh, but uh, in the off season, 
you literally would have that old kind of almost farm country event of you and your pickup, somebody, a friend in a pickup stop on Main Street. Yeah, and, have a chat. And talk window to window. And yeah. if there are people behind you, they don't care. They understand. Yeah, you that's know. rush hour. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, uh, but, uh, you know, unfortunately, Aspen's kind of, that's not true anymore about Aspen, Colorado, but it's still a, one of the most beautiful places on the planet with some real characters, which is I, kind yeah. of, you know, you talk about the different things in life design. Yeah. I want to, I want a lot of characters in, in my life, you know, the slightly crazy, eccentric, interesting, unusual people. I love them. <laughs> I, I, I always say, you know, this, this world takes all kinds, and I'm glad I'm just one of them. <laughs> well said. Hey, let's take a, a short break for the, a commercial message, and then uh, we'll come back and find out what's in the future for you. Sounds good. Paul, take it away. Well, we're going to give you one quick thought here that uh, plays into what we've been talking about here today. Our two hosts have lived extraordinary lives and been extraordinary entrepreneurs, and Robert White, certainly one of them. He mentors extraordinary entrepreneurs and executives just like you, people who want better results from their leadership performance. He shows them how to turn those results into increased personal joy and satisfaction as well. Robert founded and led two large training industry success stories. He's been there and done that, and his experience will help you find and achieve that extraordinary success you seek in your life. So why wait? Reach out and see what Robert can do for you today. Just email him at robert at extraordinarypeople.com. Robert at extraordinarypeople.com. And start living the extraordinary life you've earned. Does your company have a clear vision? Do you have the right people in the right seats? Are you consistently getting the results you want and enjoying the journey? If not, consider EOS, the Entrepreneurial Operating System. EOS is a set of simple concepts and practical tools used by more than 100,000 companies around the world to clarify, simplify, and achieve their vision. Schedule your free 90-minute meeting with an EOS implementer at eosworldwide.com today. That's eosworldwide.com. So, Carlos, what uh, what do you see for the future for yourself, your family, your country, your village, whatever? What are you up to? Well, yeah, I know. I thought I'd broaden it just a little. Yeah. Uh, well, <laughs> well, we could we could probably spend hours talking about the the future of the country, but we'll stay away from that. <laughs> you know, for myself, what what I am just committed to doing is helping individuals, professionals, executives get back to who they were created to be and help them design a life they love. I think the thing that has me most excited, we're, we're in the midst of uh, working on a, a rebrand and uh, putting together a new website that will launch in Q1 of 2022. And then as part of that, we're launching our first uh, life design cohort group, which will have no more than 15 individuals, um, all in the kind of executive professional realm. Uh, it'll involve peer-to-peer -peer coaching as well as one-on-one -on -one coaching with me, uh, go for 12 weeks. And I am so excited about that. And that really came as a result of individuals saying, hey, do you have something that's kind of this hybrid? I want to learn in a community setting of people who have, you know, are going through the same thing I'm going through. And at the same time, I kind of want some one-on-one -on -one time with you. So it really, um, it wasn't something that I just 
came up with. It was something that is a response to individuals that we've worked with. And so we're going to be launching that in January. And I could not be more excited about it, um, especially with the the uptake and people saying, hey, reserve me a spot. So um, we're going to see how that goes, probably launch one every six weeks. So they'll just be rolling. And uh, yeah, I'm I'm so, so excited about that. As for my wife and I, we've got trips planned between now and April, one trip per month. Uh, I just booked another one today, which I'm super excited about. And uh, with my kids, we're looking, one of those trips is going to be making the loop because they're scattered all over the country. I've got four kids. So we're going to make the rounds and probably take two weeks to do that. And, uh, you know, just seeing them live their life and go for what they want and seeing them be so joyful and, and excited about their lives where they're at. It's there's no greater joy as a parent. A lot of what I do is based on my journey. I, I realize and my learnings, not from a book or a video or even from a seminar, even right. though that those experiences have been seminal in terms of my growth. Uh, and I've been to over 50 different personal growth business seminars in my life. Some for me, most, and all of them to some degree for me. And, but also just because I'm in that industry, I want to know what other people are thinking and what they're doing and uh, what can I learn from that or in terms of what I want to do, but also what I don't want to do. And, uh, but that, that journey for me, uh, has included a, uh, a repurposing or, or uh, an evolving purpose. And in your experience, I mean, you've worked with purpose a lot. It's obvious. You know, I, I know that I had a purpose that brought me a lot of money and fame, which was really based in I will not be poor ever again. I, you know, I grew up that way. It's, it did scar me. And, and I, so that purpose brought me a lot of success, didn't bring that joy and satisfaction. Then I semi-retired at 46 and moved to Aspen. And I realized that morning that I woke up uh, thinking, you know, God's been preparing me for something and I haven't done it yet. Right. Very uncomfortable realization. Uh, but that I realized that my purpose for that 12 years in Aspen was being a rich guy in Aspen, going to all the right parties, belonging to all the right charitable boards, being see, seeing and being seen and you know all of that yeah. stuff and and I thought what a empty purpose it's kind of embarrassing <laughs> you know <laughs> but it was true and then uh, uh in our work we teach these four levels of purpose that beginning with survival you got to handle that one first and then maintenance you know you've handled food clothing and shelter not only for today that's the survival part but how about tomorrow and the next day you know, have you figured out a pattern for your life that basically supports you in doing what you're supposed to be doing with your life? And the next level is leisure. Only I think most people initially misunderstand that as laying on a beach or, you know, that kind of thing. But rather that work becomes play, that everything becomes play. Uh, uh, one of my friends here in Colorado, uh, uh, Barbara Brannon, she has, she has this website. I think it's playmore.com. You know, that, that you turn your, your work into play or don't do it, and, which is kind of an interesting approach. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> instead of saying joy and satisfaction as purpose, she says play. But the highest level from our teaching and our perspective is contribution. It is, in fact, uh, with your clients, with your family, 
uh, and in the world that we find a way to contribute. And uh, uh, another friend, Arjun Sen, who's this genius guy about, especially about retail marketing, he says, we're all one of one. Yeah. Well, and the first time I heard it, I thought, well, that's an awkward expression. And then the more I thought about it, the more I liked it, right? That w- So how about, how do we contribute that uniqueness? You know, uh, I mean, I, I think you and I have I've done that in slightly different ways, but, but we're... Uh, but I wanted to ask you about this. Uh, in the last, I spent six years in China from uh, 16 to 20. And uh, so I was in front of more than 20,000 people. And I started asking these large groups after some trust building, you know, where I could get away with such outrageous questions. I asked them two questions. I'm curious about your take on it and whether or not they hold true for you. The first question I would ask people is, uh, uh, how many of you are estranged from at least one family member, someone important to you, at, that you're not in appropriate an appropriate close relationship with? Now, you know, this is a crowd of people. Some of them had done some of our programs. Many had not. What would you guess of the percentage would be willing to raise their hand in public and admit that they're estranged from a family member? Going to say how many? How many? If you had asked me how many were, uh, but the question is how many raised their hands. I would say, especially if you did some trust building, I would say well over sixty percent. Very good. It was seventy. Okay. Over, overall, over a, a lot of experiences. The other question that I and that, by the way, that came out of my life experience of grappling with me being sure. estranged from a family member and wondering, am I just this oddball? You know. So I found out I'm not. <laughs> right. Well, maybe right. I maybe I am, but. <laughs> uh, and then uh, the second question is, uh, how many of you have been betrayed? And these are this is these are business audiences. These are leaders and companies and entrepreneurs. How many of you been have been betrayed, either personally or in business? So, what do you think that number? Oh, is? that that had to be close to ninety five percent. I would think. It was a hundred. The first one, you know, asking about estrangement, you know, people would put up their hand, but they'd kind of look around to see, you know, part of the tribe. Not on the betrayal question. They just, you know, that my hands high in the air and they're looking straight ahead. Yeah. (laughs) You know, but again, at least in my experience, most business people, or I'll, I'll say any high functioning person, compartmentalizes betrayal, betray, uh, compartmentalizes estrangement, uh, and uh, and they get about their work. But they seem to pay, uh, I have paid a, a huge price for that when I've been in denial of, of its effect on me. And I see that in my clients, in their physical health, in their emotional health, particularly, yeah. in, in hiring and firing, in, yeah. in, in running a meeting. It shows up. It's subtle. I, I mean, I love it when a client where we just don't work one on one, but where I get to go be a fly on a wall, you know, to, to actually observe how they run a meeting or a difficult conversation. You know, right? Is there some truth in that in your experience of, of the clients that you're working with? Oh, absolutely, because we're holistic beings, right? And and we can't be like, oh, well, I'm I'm this way at work, and then I'm this way when I'm not at work, because. 
you know, we don't clone ourselves. So whatever is happening in us is going to come out, especially if we're not dealing with it. And I find with those two questions, the estrangement and betrayal, the word that's going through my head is forgiveness. Mm. And I work with people and I ask, you know, they will mention an individual in their lives, whether it's a parent, a sibling, whoever, a, a close friend. And one of the questions I ask is, have you forgiven that person? And usually I get, oh, I'll never forgive them or mm -hmm. I'll never be friends with that individual. And I'm not saying I'm not asking you to be friends with that person. You can forgive someone and not necessarily reunite in a relationship because you may have to draw a healthy boundary, even with a family member. But the forgiveness and I had I, one of the phrases I love the most was from a former therapist of mine who said, uh, anger and bitterness are like drinking poison and waiting for the other person to die. And, you know, it's, it's true. So the fact that we can, we believe we can carry that bitterness or that anger or that resentment and not have it show up in all phases of our lives, it is ludicrous. That That's denial. And it is, it will wear on you physically. It will uh, stifle your joy. It'll, 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 uh, put an obstacle into how you see things. It'll limit you on how analytical you can be. I mean, it, it, and, and I, and I say this from experience, I carried so much within me. And what's been interesting is since I've been able to work through that people that I worked with eight, nine, 10 years ago that I connect with now without understanding all of my story go, there's just something different about you. You used to be so angry. And I never, I thought I was fooling everybody. And they're like, wow, this, I, I like this person a lot better than I like that person. And a lot of that was just letting go and saying, I'm not going to hold on to this anymore. Yes. You know, uh, what got me kind of to return to Asia, and I, I haven't, you probably don't know this about me, but I've lived abroad 23 years of my adult life. Okay. And, but what, what got me to go back uh, in, in 2016, was uh, that a, a former trainer uh, of mine that had worked for me called me and said that he had been doing this contract trainings in Kazakhstan and mm -hmm. that uh, they had blackballed him. They they would not approve a visa. And of course, without telling him why, but you know, that, right. yeah. that, that former Soviet uh, Republic, so-called Republic, uh, they have rules like that that are mm -hmm. a bit opaque, let us say. Anyway, there are 80 people waiting, and he said, will you please cover for me? Will you go and do that training for me? And I did, and in our business, something that uh, uh, we live and die with on the numbers side of things is called upgrade. You know, people buy this personal growth training for actually a very, very cheap. And uh, the economics of the business say that if they don't go on to the second training, we lose money. Also, that second training is where the real value is. So that number is important. And over 17 years of my own company, or at least 17 years where we kept all of the numbers, that number was 53%. So I go off to Kazakhstan. Well, first of all, I had to go to Google and find out where it was. <laughs> you know, I don't really know where it is. And I just thought it would be an adventure. Uh, and I had not done that particular training for over 20 years. So I, I had this little secret. I wonder if I've still got it. You know, uh, I think that's a very male thing. Have I oh, still, yeah. Yeah, have right. I still got and it. And it's still relevant. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and uh, uh, so I got a 90% upgrade. 
versus the 53%. You know, and I'm running the company. If somebody did 60, for sure they got a certificate for they and their wife or husband to the best restaurant in town. If they did 40, they got put on the bench and coached. You know, mm -hmm. and I mean, it, it had meaning. It wasn't just a number. And uh, uh, to get 90 was unheard of in our in our industry. So I'm sitting on this airplane, and I don't drink on airplanes. I don't drink very much anyway, but I don't drink on airplanes. I had a glass of champagne. So I'm I'm flying from Almaty in Kazakhstan to Frankfurt, and I'm thinking, what in the hell just happened? I mean, I know enough about the numbers to know that something happened. I, I, I must have had something to do with this. And what I realized is that all this work that I'd done on myself was showing up in that room, sure. Incl including being humbled, you know, including being divorced, unfortunately. That all, all of those things led to, uh, and you know, you don't, you don't see your kids grow, right? It's a, it's an old statement. If you see them every day, you don't see them grow. Right. I think it's the same with this kind of, uh, personal growth and business growth is you don't see the changes. They're usually not discrete events. What motivated them is often a discrete event, like in your case. And that being on that kind of journey pays huge, huge dividends, uh, both, both in business and, in, and personally. So I really, uh, acknowledge you and thank you for what the work you're doing for the journey. Oh, you're well, well, thank you. And, and, and I would agree with you. There's, you know, I was asked one time, when did you know you had arrived at this? And I started to laugh. I said, I haven't arrived at anything. It's a journey, but I think what, what you described, Robert, in terms of the purpose is you, and again, not knowing all the details, you went back to who you were created to be. And first, before we can start with why, we got to identify who. Because if we misidentify that individual or our identity, it's going to be impossible for us to correctly identify our purpose. And for years, I was like you, I chased success. I thought success was my purpose. Well, then I realized my whole desire for success was to tell everybody who told me when I was a kid that I wasn't going to amount to anything. I wasn't smart enough. Story of my life is I can't. It was basically the big middle finger of I'll show you. Well, that's not a purpose. That's trying to outrun shame, which is a futile exercise. So once I realized, actually, I've been put on this earth to help people. And I bring power to that purpose by using my unique gifts and talents. Holy smokes, that is a revelation. And there are still times where I have to walk myself through that because nobody's immune to shame. But I walk myself through that and go, no, get back to, and, and I love how, I don't know if you're familiar with Kelly Flanagan. He's an author and psychologist. He talks about, we've all been put here to play our one note. I'm like, that just makes it so simple for me. How do I, how am I going to play my one note today? My relationships, emotionally, mentally, spiritually, physically, relationally, financially, am I consulting? Am I coaching? And then when I get to do that, it's like, holy cow, I can't believe I get to do this day to day. It's pretty awesome. Yeah. It's a gift, actually, a blessing. Yes. Yeah. And, and, and through, through the good times, it's a gift. And through the bad times, it's still a gift. And it's a, uh, absolutely, it's, you know, it's a, it's a, like the, that safe spot when you're swimming in a, in a rushing river, maybe that, that rock you can grab onto even in the rapids. Absolutely. You, know, you know, all of those metaphors. Look, I want to give you a chance to talk about how people, uh, can get in touch with you or stay in touch with you or learn more or buy your book or whatever it is you're up to.
yeah. I mean, this has been incredibly valuable. I learned from it. I'm sure many, many other people did in our listening audience. So uh, if someone wants to play with you in some way, uh, how do they do that? Yeah, you can just shoot me an email at Carlos at Carlos and Suzanne, and it's S-U-S-A-N-N-E dot com. Visit our website, carlosandsuzanne.com. You can subscribe to the Life Design Podcast. Uh, just It's on Apple. It's basically anywhere you want to find a podcast, we're on it. Uh, so you can subscribe to that. Find me on LinkedIn, Carlos Hidalgo, H-I-D-A-L-G-O. Um, I usually I try to be pretty good at responding to emails there. But yeah, if you want to set up some time and just talk through stuff, not a sales pitch, just my way to give back and fulfill my purpose of being able to help people, be glad to do that. And um, if you're interested in coaching or that cohort I talked about, be happy to talk to you about that as well. Well, just sincere thanks for today. It's uh, Thank you. It's been incredibly valuable and fun. Uh, so so it, it met a couple of my rules called value and fun. So I love it. Thank you, Robert. I really appreciate it. And uh, I enjoyed the conversation very much. Wonderful. Thanks again, Carlos. You bet. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All the best. Well, there you have it. Another great example of why you got to tune in. Overhear some conversations with maybe some not so famous but real achievers like our guest today. Right here in Orange County's only community radio station, octalkradio.net. Streaming live from our studios here at the University of California, Irvine's Beale Applied Innovation Center. <laughs>